so much for being here today. Uh, moms, happy Mother's Day. As you head out today, you'll see a camera on a tripod because we're taking family pictures. So uh, as you walk out, you can grab whoever you're with. You stand in front of the backdrop, snap a picture, and then we'll have it for you uh, starting next week with a magnet on it so you can stick it on your fridge. That's the thing uh, for the rest of us where all the food magically appears. Like, I don't know how it gets there, but once a week I open it and there's all sorts of new food blessings in there. It's wonderful. It's awesome. So today is Mother's Day. We're going to talk about parenting. And if you think I can check out now, this doesn't apply to me. Jesus says it does. Because whenever he talks about parenting, he either qualifies it like to speak, speak to one specific group. Like there's one point where he talks to dads and he's like, fathers, and everybody listens. But what we're going to talk about today, the story that we're going to jump into today, Jesus doesn't give any qualifiers. Everyone who's there gets a lesson, which for all of us gives us an idea that parenting involves all of us. Like God's got a plan around raising up people to follow him that whether or not you have kids of your own, this still applies for you. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at five things that every single kid needs. And unlike the video, I think all of them are free. So we're all in really, really good shape. You don't need to buy anything else. Uh, Jesus already owns all of your money. So we're going to be in, uh, we're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And Jesus is talking about this. This is what he says uh, when he talks about kids. One day, some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch them and bless them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them with donuts. You're listening. This is great. So again, there's no qualifications here. Jesus is saying, if you can hear, you play a role in this. If you can hear the words that are coming out of my mouth, there's something that's going to take resonance in your heart. And together, we're going to do this kid thing. God loves children. I think one of the reasons behind it is because God has a heart for the vulnerable and those who can't take care of themselves. So college students living at home and kids, like God's got a plan for you to to be nurtured, to be loved, to be grown up. And we're going to look at five things that all of us need, that all of us pour into in that with kids. And they're all under here. So the first thing is stability. First thing is stability. This is concrete, and it is still kind of together. And if it explodes right now, there's going to be a lot to clean up between the services. So we're not going to do much more than that. Concrete. That's the first thing kids need, is they need stability. Right before this section, Jesus gets asked a question about divorce, about remarriage, about the role that a mom and a dad play in raising kids. And Jesus' answer could have deviated in a million different ways because there's lots of times where people ask Jesus a question, they're expecting an answer, and Jesus goes completely off the reservation and establishes for us a new way to live. But when it comes to stability, when it comes to kids, Jesus goes with the same plan that God has always had. And so the beginning of Mark 10, Jesus says, you've heard it from the very beginning. God, from the very beginning, God created them male and female. And because of this, because of that difference, it's so good that a man should leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two become one. And out of that one comes kids. So we're starting at the very beginning, not at the moment of birth, but nine months earlier at conception. And God says the first thing that kids need is stability. 
This is the basis. This is the background. This is the foundation of why, as a church, we talk about sex being something that God created to exist between one man and one woman in one marriage for one lifetime. And I've thought a lot about this. Like, I keep coming by. Why does God say, don't have sex until marriage? Like, what is his deal? Why does he keep coming back to this? And the reason that I've come to isn't to make everybody miserable. Okay? The reason that I've come to is that God loves families. God loves families. And what God wants is for his children, for little kids, like you and I used to be, to grow up into a place with stability. Society tells us, sociology, like people who have studied this, say that the most stable, the most beneficial place for a kid to grow up is in a family where mom and dad are married to each other. That creates an advantage in the life of a kid that nothing else can touch. So it's stability. The first thing we want is stability. And there's one thing that I want you to hear in this. There's no one in the entire Bible, in all four books that talk about the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then one chapter of Acts, okay? There's no one that comes up to Jesus and Jesus asks them to explain their past. There's no point where Jesus says, how did you get like this? He's asking the demon-possessed guy who can't be around society anymore, who's, who's outcast from his family. He never asks him, so what did you do? How did you end up here? And so when we talk about marriage, one thing I want you to hear is Jesus is not asking about your past. He's not asking about how you ended up here. He's saying, okay, from here, how are we going to build stability into your life? If you have kids and you're not married, I encourage you, as you're looking for a spouse, build into that search, build into those discussions, the expectation that marriage is going to be for life, that it's you and them with the kids until death. Doesn't matter who's. And at some points in the marriage, you could be negotiating whose it's going to be. <laughs> but the first thing kids need is stability. They need mom and dad who have been together before them, who are going to be together after them, that the sake of the relationship staying together has nothing to do with them. It's a freeing thing for, for kids to grow up with that stability. And if you're here and you're not married and you're living together and that's part of who you are, hear me in this, okay? I want to help you get married. This isn't a program with church where you're going to send in your name and somebody who you've never known is going to text you in three weeks, me. I want to help you get married. The reason is, is because we care about kids in Southeast Fresno and we want them growing up in a household where mom and dad are married, where there is stability. And so I want to help you in that. This isn't there's a program, there's a number, there's a website, there's a person. I want to help you in this. First thing, stability. Second thing is the reason that we need stability is that when kids come, just like we saw in the video, it's a lot of work, okay? Raising kids is hard work. I said early on, after I got to meet Eden and got to spend lots of nights with her uh, not sleeping, that raising kids is the best and hardest thing you will ever do in your life. And both those things are totally true. Raising kids is the best and hardest thing that we will do in our life. Psalm 27, three to five, it says this, children are a gift from the Lord. He didn't read, he didn't write this at night. He wrote this after a full night of sleep. We know this. Children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he, when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. 
Like children are a blessing and, hear me in this, they're a blessing and they're a burden. But part of the burden is in the blessing and part of the blessing is in the burden. It's this responsibility that's on us as parents. If you are a parent, you fully understand this. If one day you're looking at, man, I want to be a parent someday and have kids of my own, this is part of our reality. It's the blessing of the responsibility of raising kids, which means that if you're not exhausted, if having kids has not changed your life, you're doing it wrong. Okay? If you're like, this is a breeze, I sleep all the time, they clean up everything, every, they're either 40 or they're doing, you're doing it totally wrong. Which means the second thing that kids need from us when they come into the world is sacrifice. These are work boots. These are not comfort boots. If you're like, man, I've had a really long day, I can't wait to put on my boots and just sit there and enjoy life. If that's comfort for you, like you did something in your past, okay? I don't know who it was or what they did to you, but that's not supposed to be comfort. And for us, raising kids is a burden and it's a blessing and it's the best and hardest thing that we will ever do. And if it isn't that way, then it's time for some of your hobbies to die. It's time for some of the things that pull you out of the home, pull you away from that engagement that in the best ways possible is sometimes making us crazy. Those things need to die in our life. And the reason is, the reason that that stuff even happens is because there's a, there's a decision, there's a battle inside of each and every one of us around kids, around things that seek to pull our individuality away from us. And the thing that keeps us holding on to that is fear. The thing that keeps us holding on to that is fear. Because for all of us, the big struggle of following Jesus is saying no to ourselves, no to the way that we live life, and take on living for somebody else. In our faith life, that's Jesus. In the life of a, being a parent, it's taking off our life and letting our life be spent for our kids. Not in a way that's going to be negative and is going to drain us, but sacrifice is part of being a, being a family, and sacrifice is also part of following Jesus. That our old life dies, our new life is risen with him, which means that there's things in us that have to leave. And in, kid, in raising kids and parenting, this is seen everywhere around discipline. This is seen everywhere around discipline. And the reason that dif- discipline is tough, and the thing that needs to get our minds around that and keep us engaged in the importance of disciplining our kids is because we're not disciplining for right now. Right? We're disciplining for five years from now. We're teaching our kids no now. We're teaching our kids how to talk to people now. We're teaching kids things to do now so that in five years, they're the type of seven-year-old or type of 15-year-old or type of 20-year-old that we want to be around. We want our kids to be around us, and we want to be around our kids long past the point where we have to be. That means sacrifice. That means there are battles that we're going to continue to fight and lose because we're invested in the sacrificial nature of parenting. And I want to say one thing about you for your, your thinking about that thing that your kid does that you can't stand and you can't wait for that to no longer be part of their life. Just because it drives you crazy doesn't mean that it's a sin. Just because you can't stand it, you were never that way, doesn't mean that it's a sin. I've talked often, if I've said it before, you can just replay the last time I said it. But in our family, the best part of the pandemic and us sheltering in place in home for however many weeks that was at a time was that I got to know my daughter Ellie and I got to understand why she is the way she is. 
She's exactly like her mom. So there are so many areas that she does X or I do Y. And I'm like, what are you thinking? And Anna's like, I know exactly what she's thinking. And you're wrong. So she didn't put that part in because she's nice. And it's Mother's Day. <laughs> Father's Day, it'll be different. No. But part of that sacrifice is learning your kid. It'd be so much easier if they were exactly like you. But the world doesn't need another one of you. Instead, they give you your kids. And part of the sacrifice is learning our kids. So next thing is this. Kids need stability. Kids need sacrifice. Kids also need structure. Okay, 60 minutes is one hour, whether, in your, whether you're in du, uh, Dubai or Dainuba. Like, that's just the way that it is. Kids need structure. Every kid craves structure, and every kid will complain about structure. Right, that, that, that's just how it is. Proverbs 22.6, it says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. There's no such thing again as an undisciplined child. And one of the ways that we provide structure and build that into our lives and build that into the lives of our kids is we tell them about Jesus. We tell them about the fact that God loves them. That regardless of what they do, and we echo this in ourselves, like my line to Micah was always, I love you too much to let you break the rules. And God's the same way with us. God loves you and me too much to let us break the rules. And that love for God is understanding of the fact that you and I are sinners. Love as parents is understanding the fact that our kids are going to sin. And we have a plan for that. And God had a plan for that. That's why God sent Jesus into the world, because God knew that we needed a savior. If we needed a politician, he would have sent a politician. If we needed a warrior, he would have sent a warrior. But instead, he needed someone to save us from our sin. And so God sent Jesus into the world to save us from our sin. And part of building structure into your kid's life is reminding them every day of the fact that Jesus loves them and that you love them. We model living like Jesus in how we do that, how we remind them of that. I mean, we're looking at the story before. Like, all the kids are sitting around Jesus, and the parents are bringing the kids to Jesus. And all the pictures that we see of this, Jesus is there with beautiful blonde hair, and all the kids are sitting like angels, right? Has anyone who's ever been around kids actually expect that that's the way that it went down? <laughs> no! They were running crazy, probably. And all of us would have been too. But the thing is, is, is now in reality, stepping back from the painting, stepping back from the way that things are, we get to model how Jesus loves our kids. There's always a right way to do life and always a way back when that's not followed. That's one of the things that we model to our kids. Is that just as God is a God of forgiveness, we continue to remind our kids that he that, that, they have, that they can be forgiven of everything. And we want to be the first ones to do that. Another way that we model this structure, this, this gospel life with our kids, is, is when we mess up, we say that we're sorry. We live that out with our children. If you're the type of, specifically dads, I'll talk to you. If you think I'm never going to apologize to my kids, you're robbing them of a blessing to understand how to follow Jesus. Because all of a Christian's life is one of making a U-turn, saying, this is how I was going. I need, need to turn around. I need to change things. I need to go back to God. And by failing to apologize to our kids, we're robbing our kids of the understanding that Christians sin and Christians ask for forgiveness. If you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe because of how you saw it modeled in your parents, then God wants to change that for you. 
God wants to remind you of the way that he loves people in the way that he exchanges hard hearts for soft hearts. He does that by his spirit, and that means that we apologize for everything in our lives because we're sinners separated from God. Jesus came into the world to save us from our sin and bring us to him. And so we live out that structure of reminding our kids day in and day out that they are loved, that we are sinners, that Jesus came to forgive us and set us free from all of that. Next thing we need. So we got the stability. We got sacrifice. We got structure. What's this? This is surroundings, okay? Because all of us play a role in this in raising kids. It's great for kids to grow up at church because they're going to get their body weight in donuts by the time they're 18, right? (laughs) No, because one thing that kids do in church is they keep all of us flexible and joyful in life. What do pipes do? Pipes convey a purpose and they deliver what's needed. This came from underneath the ground in my yard and it took water from the water main out to the sprinklers and they spewed up in the ground and it was amazing, it was wonderful. They serve a purpose. Kids in church serve a purpose for all of us because they make us smile. Because we're gonna open these doors afterwards and go outside and the kids are not gonna be sitting neatly on the grass. They're gonna be running around crazy having fun because we need to have fun in church. It's a good thing for us. And so what do we do? We pass on wisdom to to kids. That's our role in the pipe. That is what we give to the next generation. How are humans so smart now and making so many crazy discoveries? Because wisdom from previous, previous generations was saved. Because it was written down and stored in a way that now we can come along and not have to redo everything from scratch. But to see, this is what the previous generation has done. This is what we're gonna do. And now we're gonna put a little car on Mars. Like, that's how stuff happens is we pass on wisdom. And in church, this is our responsibility. If you're old enough to hear what I'm saying and not so old that you're dead, like this is all of us in this window, our job is now to pass this on to the next generation, to dump in all the wisdom, all the joy, all the life, all the acceptance, all the life lessons that we have learned so that the next generation can grow up loving God and following God the way that we do. And the last thing is a savior. The question is, is what are we going to exhaust ourselves doing? And so the last image is this. Okay, is a pillow. What are we going to exhaust ourselves? What are we going to get tired doing at the end of the day? Because this type of living, this type of parenting, exhausting ourselves, taking every sacrifice possible, not for the safety of today, not for the comfort of today, because one day we want to see our next generation and the generations after that following Jesus in ways that we didn't, ways that we couldn't, ways that we should have. We want to exhaust ourselves in that. And for you parents in here who are thinking you've already blown it, that you can't go back, that it's too far gone, that whatever adjective you want to put after that, the hope I want to give you is this. We parent with the cross behind us and a kingdom of perfection ahead of us, and we are responsible for neither of those. We're not responsible for either of those. Jesus came into the world to save us from our sins because he knew that we needed it. We can't control the fact that Jesus already came for us. And one day, like Pastor Aaron said, Jesus is coming back to establish his kingdom. We can't stop it. We're not responsible for it, but we can surrender to it. 
We can parent toward that end. We can exhaust ourselves reminding our kids, living out in every way that we know possible the fact that God loves them, that sin separates them, and that Jesus came for relationship with them until one day we we put our head down to never take it back up and and we meet Jesus. Like That's the type of thing that we can get exhausted in. And our kids don't have to live the lives that we've lived. That's the hope of the cross, that our old life is dead, that a new life has come. And for you and me, our kids can live lives that we didn't. Our kids can live lives that we should have. And even if they don't, it doesn't change the fact that Jesus is on the mission, that Jesus is calling them to himself, that Jesus is the one who's going to work everything out, and that we can trust him and we can follow him. So what do they need? They need stability. They need sacrifice. They need structure. They need surroundings. They need a savior. Jesus has accomplished all of it, and he's entrusted lives to us to follow him in this. I'm not a perfect parent. God's not asking me to be. You're not a perfect parent, nor will you ever be. He's not asking for that. What he's saying is, will you trust this responsibility to me and let me teach you daily how to do this? In good times, in bad times, in sleepless nights, and they just left for college, what are we going to do? In all these things, God loves us and wants to lead us.